Welcome to episode four of Smithically Speaking, a podcast where you can walk around in someone else's shoes for a while. Today, we continue our series on my family's experience in planning for our first year of homeschooling high school. After last week's episode, I went back to my laptop, I got my stack of books out, and I just stared at them, wondering if I'm going about this the right way. You are all going through this planning stage with me in real time. I'm doing what I love to do, which is research a ton of curriculum and find what fits our family and the boys' learning styles. But is it enough this year? Is it enough for high school? Do I need to do more? And then I wondered why I was making a huge deal out of it, because isn't this just an extension of what we've already been doing for the past nine years anyway? Well, welcome to the mind of a very typical homeschool parent. Some of us have a ton of self-doubt. We worry that we're not doing enough. And then around February, we add a whole bunch of classes and extracurricular activities to our kids' schedules, only to fall apart again around the end of March. Some of us are strong enough to ignore that nagging feeling that we need to do more and just keep plugging along. But I haven't really met a homeschool mom who hasn't fretted at least once a school year that they're just not doing enough for their child's education. In fact, let's take this question out on the field. At the homeschool gym class that I uh, attend with the boys each Thursday, I asked some other homeschool moms what their biggest fears and confidences of homeschool are. And here's what they said. My, my greatest fear and my greatest confidence actually are like two-edged swords. Where um, am I doing enough? Um, is it sufficient? Is it, is it all-encompassing? Am I servicing my child well? So mine isn't that I'm doing enough because I think educationally I could probably... Uh, exceed the expectations I'd have for a public school, especially my education, I think I can do better. My concern is that, first of all, that they will someday resent the fact that they don't have the collective conscience of of the experience, the public school, especially the high school experience that everybody idyllically has, that they'll look at the Disney Channel and think, I missed something really cool. It's like High School Musical, you know, (laughs) and that they won't have the reality of what it really is. Like I can look at it and say, this is better than what I had. But they might say, you really gypped us. We could have had fun at prom and homecoming and football games and all that. And the second thing is that there's not a safety net. There's not other people looking out for problems. Like I might not see a learning disability. Right. Where's the checks and balances? And am I gonna miss something? And it's completely my responsibility if something is missed. That's what I think. My biggest fear is failing at this and having to send them to school. Because we can't afford private school, and I would have to send them to public school. And I am deathly afraid of sending them there just because we're not traditional homeschool. And they have to still pass public school online. And we don't have, like, the support of our families. Like, they don't think that we're doing the right thing. So I am really, really afraid that if they don't do well, they're going to have to go to school. And I don't want to send them. I don't think they'll do well. We'll get back to their answers for their biggest confidences in a minute. But you can tell that although we homeschool out of a conviction that it's the best thing for our own kids, we also have this fear that because it's different than what students do in a brick and mortar school, 
it's just not enough. It is so hard to deprogram school from a homeschool setting. After nine years of homeschooling, I'm still amazed that we can finish a math lesson in less than half an hour or a grammar lesson in 15 minutes. We finish school for the most part, around one or two, and we never have homework. Sometimes my husband works with the older boys on math or science in the evenings when he's home from work, but our evenings have always been homework free. And we're not stuck at third grade math when we're in eighth grade. It just works because we do it on our own schedule. Every child learns at their own pace, which is why you have bored kids in seventh grade math who would rather be doing algebra or geometry. It's also why you might have a student in 10th grade still in algebra one. Sometimes the student isn't ready for material that the age that the board of education has deemed it necessary for them to learn it. Why wait? Why rush? Why jump into college or a career at age 18 or 19? Not every student is cut from the same cloth, so why are we making them all do the same thing at the same time? In an article released from PBS.org last summer titled, After Decades of Pushing Bachelor's Degrees, U.S. Needs More Tradespeople, a welding instructor is interviewed in his cavernous teaching lab full of industrial equipment as saying, The decades-long national push for high school graduates to get bachelor's degrees left vocational programs with an image problem, and the nation's factories with far fewer skilled workers than needed. It is true that Votech has a bad reputation, for the most part, in high school. It's where the kids who will never go to college go as a fallback. Think about why this is. Isn't there a need for electricians and welders or auto mechanics and HVAC companies in this country, as well as teachers, nurses, doctors, software programmers? Why is the reputation for college study with debt viewed more highly than a training school and an earlier career with much less debt? I'm not saying that this is where my kids are headed because I truly don't know what they'll be doing in their higher years of high school, but it's always an option. College isn't their only option, but it is always an option as well. We want the boys to know all of their options and again, not to influence their decision based on what we see for them as their parents. So with all of these options on the table, how do we prepare our kids with what they'll need to either enter a trade or head off to college? You give them a lot of choices. I think this is what gives me the most hope, heading off into the high school territory at home. We get to offer our students so very many different choices, and someday, one of them will stick. One will grow into an interest, then a passion, and then maybe a career. Or maybe it will just lead to more interests and more passions, and eventually, a lifelong learner of many things. Back to my conversation with my homeschool mom friends. Here's what they said was their confidence in homeschooling. And I'll add that my confidence changes year to year, month to month even, and is different with each one of my kids. So is there anything that you're doing now that you're very confident in? Um, I'm very confident in the multi-repetition, just 
going over the math facts over and over again, going over the flashcards over and over again, just so that they pass. If I added anything, it would be the fact that you, we are all caring parents um, and are striving every day to make good choices, whether they end up being good choices or not. The fact that we do care and are being intentional um, will have a better positive impact on our kids than really what model you use. It's not, I think it's less about the model and more about being an attentive parent and striving to do the best for your child. You can't do any better than that anyway. I'd say if I have confidence about one thing, it's that um, it's not in education with homeschooling, it's in character with homeschooling. I think that their character is better than it would be if we didn't homeschool. And that's where I don't care if they're academically where they're supposed to be. I have a theory that's better late than early in all the subjects. Like if I introduce the math, con math concept a year later than the public school, chances are they're going to grasp it easier, have more confidence in their ability to do it, and less struggle and tears and frustration, and who cares if it's a year later. This episode was produced by my son, Sawyer, who also wrote the music heard in the podcast. He has a YouTube channel called Socks Rocks, linked to in the show notes, which you can find at smithical.com. Until next time. 